Thanks for listening to the Mercy Church Podcast. If you're in the area, we want to invite you to join us the last weekend in March as we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Good Friday services will be at 6 p.m. on Friday evening. And then on Sunday morning, we invite you to join us for a time of worship, a message, and baptisms. Bring your friends, your family, and if you feel so led, invite your coworker, cashier, or barista to join you. Services will be held at regular service times at all campuses. To learn more, visit mercycharlotte.com slash events. Again, that's mercycharlotte.com slash events. Hey, my name is Brett. If we never met before, I am our student pastor here, and I'm going to be preaching the word this morning. I'm so excited to be with y'all. Yeah. Um, so just a heads up, today we have three live preachers at Mercy. Pastor Richard is up at Northeast. Pastor Jake is at Providence, and I'm here. And um, y'all, I'm just so excited to be preaching. It's kind of a full circle moment for me, actually, uh, because I'm from Union County. I grew up right down the road in Indian Trail, Um, I went to Sun Valley Middle and High School, go Spartans. Um, I worked my, yeah, I knew I'd get at least one boo in here. Um, I worked my first job at KFC down on 74. So if y'all are familiar with that, I used to whip it up in there. Um, I used to think I was going to be a professional bodybuilder uh, at Enterprise Gym. That did not work out. But y'all, I've spent most of my life around these parts. And let me tell you, if you had known me back then, you'd be shocked that I'm standing here today preaching, but God is gracious and merciful. I'm honored to be here with you this morning. The text that we're going to be in is Ephesians 4, 17 through 32. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and flip over there. Ephesians 4, 17 through 32. As you're flipping there, let me go ahead and just pray for our time together. King of glory, fill this place. God, would we behold you in your glory right now as we go to your word? We're here to hear from you, to learn from you. So would you teach us? Would you use me, God? Would you use me right now? Uh, Let it be your word that comes forth, not my own. God, we love you and we trust you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I was mulling this text over in my mind this week, it got me thinking about my time at Sun Valley. I had a couple of claims to fame in high school that you should know about. The first claim to fame is that my family was on a TV show called The World's Strictest Parents. It premiered on MTV and CMT. That's not a lie. If you don't believe me, you can look it up. If you look it up and you still don't believe me, my family is right here, my mom and dad. You can talk to them, but don't talk to me about it. I don't want to talk about it. I'm still processing it. So that was my first claim to fame. But my second claim to fame, y'all, is that I was a two-time, not a one-time, but a two-time junior varsity basketball player, okay? Freshman and sophomore year. It was big time. I started my sophomore year, by the way. So here's the thing about junior varsity basketball at Sun Valley. It was great except for one thing, the uniforms. They were bad. I guess it was in an effort to save money, but basically our JV uniforms were just hand-me-down jerseys from previous varsity seasons. So we had Brian Boone, our center, wearing a 2008 varsity jersey and shorts. And then there's me wearing a 2010 extra large JV jersey that was falling off my 90 pound body. It was rough. I think we actually have a picture of it to just give you guys a little visual. Let's see if that comes up. Oh man, I hope it does. 
We got it? No, no picture. All right. Well, if you can imagine, I looked like Sid from Toy Story. Shaved head. I literally was 90 pounds. It was rough. I will have to get that figured out for the 11-15. But y'all, something I remember so vividly as a JV basketball player was going to these varsity games and looking at their uniforms. I mean, to me, these things, they were brand new. They looked custom fit. They looked tailor-made compared to what I was wearing. And yeah, there it is. I'll tell you, see, there's Brian. He actually has a different jersey on than me. It's a true story. Sid from Toy Story, right? All right. All right, please take it down. All right. Um, all right. I could not wait for the day that I'd be able to suit up in a varsity jersey. And unfortunately, I never was able to. But that's a story for another time. In our text today, we're going to see the Apostle Paul writing to the Ephesian church. And he's talking to them about the former life. The life that these people had before they knew and followed Jesus. And then the new life, the life that they now had because of Jesus. And to juxtapose these two ways of life, he uses a metaphor of clothing. There's the old set of clothes that they used to wear, and then there's the new set of clothes, which represents their new life, their new life in Christ. So there's the old dingy JV uniforms, right? And then there's the sharp new varsity uniforms. And so in honor of Sun Valley JV basketball, we're gonna talk about the world's uniform and the Christian uniform. Does that sound good? All right, so here's the main point that I want you to take home today. God is calling you to take off the world's uniform, which is one of emptiness and darkness, and to put on the Christian uniform, which is one of righteousness, holiness, and Christ-likeness. All right, so that's where we're going. Y'all ready? Let's do this. Ephesians 4, uh, 17 through 19, start our time. This is what it says. Therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord, you should no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They have become callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. The first thing that we see from our text is Paul talking about the world's uniform. And there's two things that he shows us. It's that the world's uniform is one of emptiness and it's one of darkness. So let's look at these verses and flesh this out just a bit. So first we see that the world's uniform is one of emptiness. Paul writes in 17, Therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord, you should no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thoughts. So y'all, you may have heard this illustration before, but oftentimes in the scriptures, when the writer's about to present the gospel, he'll set a dark backdrop so that the glory of God will display brighter. It's kind of like if you want to go look at a diamond, what the jeweler does is he lays out this black velvet cloth so that when you put the diamond on it, shine the light, it'll really pop and you can see the intricacies. So Paul's laying out the black velvet cloth right here. He's talking about the way those apart from Jesus, who he calls the Gentiles, live their lives on a day-to-day basis. And y'all, it's, it's not pretty. In fact, the first word that we see him use to describe it is futility. In, this, in the Greek, this word means emptiness and purposelessness. Day by day passes for those 
for these Gentiles, and they live their lives in ways that are empty and void and without direction. One of the ways that I've seen emptiness in people is by asking them why questions. My students like to ask me why questions a lot. And in asking those questions to people, you can kind of dig below the surface. Why do you work? Is it so that you can make money? Okay, why do you want to make money? Maybe you want to start a family. Why do you want to start a family? Maybe it's because you want to experience love and be known by somebody. Why do you want to experience love? And you can just keep going and going. And finally, you'll get to the bottom of it. And if you're a Christian, you'll get to God, right? Christ is at the foundation of the life of every Christian. He's at the bottom of everything. But what I've found is that for those who don't know God is that the end of the conversation is a little bit different. If the person's honest, then it'll end in a statement along the lines of, I don't know. I don't know why I want to experience love. I just do. I don't know why I feel empty. I don't know why I ultimately exist. At the bottom of their life is an emptiness, a purposelessness. Paul writes that this is the uniform that the world puts on every day. They go to school, they go to their job, they go to their gym, they save up their dollars, they start families, they cross things off their checklist, they celebrate holidays, they do all the things that everyone's doing and they don't know why. At the very bottom of all of it is a reality that there's no explanation for the rhyme or reason of life. They're just existing. There was a 2022 study published by the Journal of Mental Health on the lived experience of emptiness. And in this study, one of the participants was asked to explain what emptiness is to them. And this is what they said. Emptiness is when you feel like everything you do is pointless and you're just going through the motions, just trying to fill the time until you die. Sometimes you have fun or something good happens which can distract you for a while, but ultimately there's a hollowness inside which never goes away. It's as if you're transparent and anything positive like love or joy just passes right through you without sticking. And afterwards, it feels like it was never there at all. Y'all, I read this, I couldn't help but feel like this resonates with so many people today. So many people are walking around in emptiness. And how does this happen? How do people get there? Our text tells us, if you have your Bible, look down at verse 18. It says, they are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of their hardness of hearts. The next thing that we see about the world's uniform is that it's one of darkness. Paul writes that those who wear the uniform of the world have understandings that are darkened and excluded from God, who James calls the father of lights. This is because of their ignorance and their hardness of heart. Because of their own repeated decisions day after day to turn against God. And any remnant of light has been squelched out. There's emptiness and there's darkness. As I was studying this text, I noticed that there's almost a direct correlation between this and Romans chapter one, which makes sense because Paul also wrote the book of Romans. But in Romans one, he elaborates on this idea of uh, darkened hearts and how God gives over those who choose their own ways over his. So this is what he writes in Romans chapter one. It'll be on the screen so you don't have to flip there. But starting in verse 18, it says, for God's wrath is revealed from heaven against godlessness 
and unrighteousness of people who by their own unrighteousness suppress the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, that is his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse for though they knew God, they did not glorify him or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Simply put, the Bible tells us that those who wear the world's uniform have darkened their hearts because they are God deniers. As we see in this passage of Romans, God has made himself known to the world through his creation. So quick question for the room. Has anybody seen the moon in like the past week and a half? It's been amazing, like huge, orange. It's the perfect fall moon. The Bible tells us that God made that, that there's no other rational explanation for how that huge ball of dirt or cheese or whatever it is, is just somehow floating in the sky, lighting up our night sky. People have tried to come up with theories and science for the entire existence of humanity, and all of it has fallen short in explaining it. It's because it's already been explained. God created it. The trees, the grass, the leaves, the mountains, the ocean, the air we breathe all the way down to our very DNA, all of it points to the grand reality of God. But those who wear the uniform of the world are God deniers. God didn't do that. They rationalize. They have theories. And many believe that through knowledge and self-discovery, there will be fulfillment and satisfaction. But we know that when we seek fulfillment outside of the Lord, it doesn't actually satisfy, right? It leads to emptiness and darkness. And that's what the world finds, more emptiness and more darkness. Paul writes that they ignore clear signposts to our creator God. They worship created things rather than the creator. And because of it, God allows their hearts to be hardened and darkened. Ezekiel 36 calls it the heart of stone. And verse 19 of our text says, they became callous, gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. As those who wear the uniform of the world harden their own hearts through turning away from God, their hearts also become callous and they become insatiable for sin. The text says they give themselves over to promiscuity and practice every kind of evil with a desire for more. I was at a conference recently and I was listening to this pastor. His name was Trevin Wax. You may have heard of him. He's written a couple books. He was speaking on sin and this whole idea that we're talking about. He pointed out something that I thought was really helpful. He said that if we from 10 years ago could take our phones from today and just scroll through our feed, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook. I feel like we got some Facebook people in here. Um, Twitter. We would be disgusted by the evil and outright gross content that's on there. But today, like we view these things with no problem. That's because our hearts are experiencing this callousing, a microcosm of the sinful world that we live in and the callousing that comes from it. Those who wear the world's uniform, this is what they experience. It defines them. They want more of it. Take the porn industry, for instance. Listen to this statistic that was posted in 2022. 
The porn industry is a global industry that nets billions of dollars per year worldwide. About 12% of all websites are pornographic. 12%. 25%, one-fourth of web searches are pornographic. And tens of millions of cases of child pornography are reported each year. It's crazy. Another example is the movie industry. I don't know if y'all have noticed this, but commercials keep getting scarier. My wife Marley and I will be sitting there watching Jeopardy with our 13-month-old daughter, and then boom, the Exorcist Believer commercial comes on. I'm like, what in the world? I have to cover my daughter's eyes? I'm like trying to cover my ears and my eyes? It's terrifying. And y'all, it's not just Halloween movies. They made one about Thanksgiving, and the, the bad guy is a serial killer who's dressed up as a pilgrim. I'm like, come on, man. Thanksgiving? Sheesh. Y'all, we live in a world that's more evil than it's ever been. And there's no slowing the train down. These are just a few examples. The world's uniform is dark. And the fact of the matter is that you and I, whether we would like to admit it or not, have both, wor have, we've worn this uniform before. There was a time when each one of us was ignorant to God. There was a time when we had chosen our ways over God's ways. Genesis 3 tells us that sin came into the world through Adam and Eve in the garden and we inherited that sin when we were born. Because of that, the first moment that we could choose between the world's uniform and the Christian uniform was the world's. Those old stinky hand-me-downs, emptiness and darkness. And Paul writes that somehow, even with how ugly the uniform of the world is, even with how evil and dark it is, every one of this, us in this room sometimes decides to try to put it back on. We go back to old sinful thoughts. We dwell in them. We get angry. We say things we shouldn't say. We give opportunities to the devil. We get selfish. We look at things we shouldn't look at. Just this past week, I found myself wearing that old stinky JV uniform. I was short-tempered with my wife. I had a hardened heart. I spoke words to her that tore her down rather than built her up. I didn't love her as Christ loves the church, as Ephesians 5 tells me to do. I struggle with it. You struggle with it. The Ephesian church struggled with it. And God's call for them, his call for us this morning, is to take off the uniform of the world and to put on the Christian uniform. That's what we're about to talk about now. So we're going to move to verse 20. Paul writes, but that is not how you came to know Christ. So Paul's done laying out the black velvet cloth. The jeweler is opening up the jewelry case and the diamond is being presented. Here it is. But that is not how you came to know Christ. Assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of the truth. This is the diamond. It's the gospel. Y'all remember last week when Pastor Spence was talking about Ephesians 1 through 3 and how all of it was kind of laying this groundwork for the Ephesian church to understand what they meant to be in Christ? This is what Paul is hitting at right now what it means to be in Christ. You see, this church had heard of a way that was far better than to continue to walk around in emptiness and darkness. 
They were encountered with a message that John spoke of when he wrote in John 1, in him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Jesus, the light of the world had come for these people to fill the God-sized hole that they had in their heart and to light up those dark hearts. The message of the gospel was that though they had been rebelling against God, though they had picked the uniform of the world, though they were dead in their sins, that's Ephesians 2, God was merciful to them and he made them alive in Christ. Mercy Church, the diamond on the black velvet cloth is the gospel message and it's not just for the Ephesian church, it's for you. We have a God who is rich in mercy towards us. We, like the Ephesian church, have chosen our way against God's. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. We are clothed, we're clothed in the uniform of the world. We were filled with emptiness and darkness. But God sent his son, Jesus, the light of the world, to die on the cross for sinners, to take on the ultimate darkness that you and I deserved. And three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, defeating sin and death so that we who were dead in our sins could be made alive together with God. Amen? Amen. The message of the gospel is that God offers life to anyone who would place their faith in Jesus. He offers them a new uniform in place of those old filthy JV rags. He offers the Christian uniform and it's so much better than the uniform of the world. Verses 22 and 23 say, take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by evil desires. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. This is what happens when someone becomes a Christian, y'all. The old life is put to death and the new life has come. The JV uniform is gone and it's thrown in the garbage. God doesn't just like put a new jersey over top of it. He removes it. It's gone. You're on a new team now. God also just doesn't give you a new uniform. He gives you his spirit. He gives you a new spiritual and moral compass. And it comes to replace that heart of stone that Ezekiel talks about with a heart of flesh. You'll start to want the things that God wants. That's what Paul's getting at when he talks about the renewing of the spirit of your minds. The Ephesians had heard this good news. They had received it and they had been changed by it. They were wearing the uniform of a Christian. But it seems from our text that they had kind of reached into that garbage, grabbed that old jersey and were trying to put it back on. Paul was calling them to take it back off and to put on that Christian uniform that God had given them in Christ. Verse 24 is where we're going to start to kind of land this plane. And we're going to see three things that Paul tells us about this new uniform, the Christian uniform. So if you look down at your Bibles, he says in verse 24, put on the self, the one created in God's likeness and righteousness and purity of the truth. There's three big things that Paul shows us about the Christian uniform. It said the Christian uniform is one of righteousness it's one of holiness, and it's one of Christ-likeness. Righteousness, holiness, and Christ-likeness. It stands in complete contrast to the empty and dark uniform of the world. In fact, as Paul is about to continue in our text, he basically juxtaposes the uniform of the world with the uniform of Christ. 
And I'm going to give these things, but don't forget verse 24 as I give you these things. Because these three identifiers, righteousness, holiness, and Christ-likeness, they shape everything of what we're about to read. And so we're going to come back to it. But this is what he writes in verses 25 through 32. Again, he's talking about the Christian uniform. He writes, Therefore, putting away lying, speak truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. and Don't give the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he's to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander be removed from you, along with all malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just also as God forgave you in Christ. You see the juxtaposition that's happening here? There's a way for those who wear the uniform of the world, and there's a way for those who wear the uniform of a Christian. Don't lie. That's the uniform of the world. But speak the truth to one another. That's the uniform of a Christian. Put away unrighteous anger. That's the uniform of the world. Be angry and do not sin. That's the uniform of a Christian. By the way, here's a quick side note because this was really interesting to me. This is talking about righteous anger versus unrighteous anger. One theologian writes that unrighteous anger is anger that is self-defensive and self-serving. It's anger that leads to resentment. Kind of like when you get mad at somebody for cutting you off in traffic. Maybe you do something with your hand to that person and you shouldn't have done that. Like if you say that you haven't been there, you're lying. We've all been there. On the other hand, righteous anger is anger at evil, specifically evil done against the Lord and his will. So righteous anger hates injustice, immorality, and ungodliness of every sort. This is how you can be angry and not sin. All right, side note done. Just thought that was interesting. Let's look at some of these other things. Don't give opportunities to the devil. That's the uniform of the world. Don't steal. Do honest work and share with people in what you have. That's the uniform of a Christian. Don't use foul language. Uh Uh-oh, that one hits. That's the uniform of the world. Use words that build up those in need. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't be angry and have malice in your heart. Don't shout at people. Don't slander. That's the uniform of the world. Be kind and compassionate, forgiving one another as you have been forgiven. That's the uniform of a Christian. It's a big list, y'all. And what we can clearly see is that the Christian uniform stands in stark contrast to the world's uniform. That's because as verse 24 says, it's not a uniform of emptiness and darkness. It's a uniform of righteousness, holiness, and Christ-likeness. So let's talk about each one of those for a second. First thing we see is it's a uniform of righteousness. This is really important for you to understand first and foremost, because I think the temptation for a lot of us as we hear this list of do's and don'ts is we can fall into this trap of like, if we're perfect, then we'll be better Christians. If I can do all of these things and check them off, then I'll be a better Christian. At the same time, if we believe this train of thought, we'll be tempted to believe that if we fail on the list, like I did this past week with my wife, Are we even Christians at all? 
But that's not what righteousness is. Righteousness can be summed up in four words. Jesus in my place. Jesus in my place. If you do a quick scan of what the Bible says about righteousness, you'll see that it's a term of being made right with God. And every time it's talking about it, it's talking about pushing against this idea of us working towards God or working away from God through things that we do. And it's something that Jesus has done on our behalf. One of the clearest places in scripture on this idea is 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus in my place. Y'all, it's simple. Righteousness in the gospel means that there's nothing you can do to earn your way to God. So if you're tempted to look at this list and think you can start to check off the boxes and become a better Christian, you're mistaken. If you're wearing the Christian uniform, then it's because of Jesus's righteousness and nothing else. It's been given to you, period. And what's so sweet is that this righteousness also means that when we fail the things on this list, which we will, we don't have to wonder if we've fallen away from grace. If we are in Christ, we've been made right with God. And that means that we can repent and we can turn back to God and begin obeying him again, confidently wearing the righteousness that Jesus has purchased for us. The Christian uniform is one of righteousness. Verse 24 also tells us that the Christian uniform is one of holiness. If you're using the CSB translation, then you might see the word purity there in verse 24. Most other translations have holiness. That's because this word does mean holiness. And for us today, it's pretty straightforward. If we claim to wear the uniform of a Christian, then our lives should look like it. Y'all, we live in a place where cultural Christianity is everywhere. It's all over the place. People claim Christ, but they speak however they want without giving a single thought to what God says about how Christians should talk. They live however they want without giving any thought to the commands that God gives for his children. They don't obey the commands of Jesus. In fact, the word obedience may even offend them because it infringes upon their autonomy and their independence. They don't commit to the church, the bride of Christ, because it butts into their weekend, it butts into their day of rest. They don't read their Bible. Y'all, this is everywhere. And you cannot be deceived by it. This is the uniform of the world. This is not the uniform of a Christian. Paul tells us that the uniform of a Christian is one of holiness. This means that those who wear the uniform are people who look different than the world. They're people who are obsessed with, who are committed to, who are devoted to Christ because they rightly understand their need for Jesus and what he's done for them. John writes about this when he says in, in 1 John uh, chapter 2, this is how we know that we know him. This is how we know we know. If we keep his commands, the one who says, I have come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Y'all, the Christian uniform is one of righteousness, which means you can do nothing to earn your way to God. But we can never use that as an excuse to disobey God. The Christian uniform is also one of holiness, which means that when you're wearing that uniform, it's evident. Something's changed. There's a light in you 
that the world can see because God has filled the empty and dark void. The one who claims Christ but doesn't obey him is like that 90-pound Brett Bolden telling everybody that he's on varsity. It's just a bold-faced lie, as you could tell. If you claim to wear the uniform of a Christian, then it will be evident because the uniform of a Christian is one of holiness, of being set apart. The final thing that we see about the Christian uniform is that it's one of Christ-likeness. Verse 24 says, it's been made after the likeness of God. If there's one thing that you need to know today as you hear this sermon about the Christian uniform, it's that there's someone who has gone before you who has perfectly modeled everything we see Paul write on this list. It was Jesus. Jesus never lied, but he came speaking the truth in love. Jesus modeled perfectly righteous anger for us. He never sinned. Jesus never gave opportunities to the devil, but when he was tempted by the devil, he literally quoted scripture to him in the wilderness. Before his ministry, Jesus worked as a carpenter, doing honest work year after year, the son of God in human flesh, laboring with his hands. Jesus didn't use foul language. He used words that instructed, words that built up, words that literally healed people. Jesus never grieved the Holy Spirit. Jesus was kind. He was compassionate. He was the most giving person who ever walked the face of the earth. So much so that he asked the Father to forgive the criminals who were mocking him as he was dying on the cross. So much so that he died for sinners. This. Oh God. Jesus has gone before us and modeled what it looks like to perfectly wear the Christian uniform. He's the whole point behind the Christian uniform. If you're in Christ, the very reason that God has you wearing the Christian uniform is so that the world would know and love Jesus. It's not so that you would look awesome. It's so that Jesus will look awesome. Y'all, this is such good news for you. It's good news for you because it means that the pressure is off your shoulders. You don't have to be perfect. Jesus was perfect in your place. And so as you put on that jersey, the call is simply to imitate Jesus as best as you can. And when you fail, you remember the cross. You remember that you've been made righteous by Jesus. And when you're tempted to go back to those old JV rags of emptiness and darkness, Remember that you've been called to holiness and walk in obedience. And at the end of the day, when you lay your head on the pillow, rest. Because you know you have a Savior who has gone before you in all of these things. The Christian uniform is one of Christ-likeness. Jesus is the point. He's the star of the show. He's the one that's given you that new uniform. And so brothers and sisters, wear it with reverence. God is calling you to take off the uniform of the world, which is one of emptiness and darkness, and to put on the Christian uniform, which is one of righteousness, holiness, and Christ-likeness. Let's pray, church. Lord, we are amazed by you. 
we're amazed by the gospel and what you have done for us, Jesus, and dying for us on the cross. We're amazed by you. We're amazed that you would give us a new uniform to wear. We didn't deserve it, but yet you did it. Jesus has come for us, lived the life that we could never live, died the death we deserve to die, and was raised back to life. And we believe because your word says, whoever places their faith in Jesus will be saved forever, given a new uniform. One day, Lord, your word says that you're gonna come back and we're gonna be wearing robes of white, worshiping you for all of eternity. And we cannot wait for that day. So God, I pray for um, the believers who are in here. I pray for those who have been tempted to go back to their old ways. If that's you, take, just take a moment and confess that to God. God's call for you is to turn back today and he has purchased you the freedom to be able to do so. So God, we, we give ourselves back to you. Lord, I confess that was me this past week. I repent, Lord, and I, I wanna turn back to you in righteousness and in holiness and in Christ-likeness. Lord, I pray for those in the room who maybe don't know Jesus and they're wrestling with this message that was preached, that there's someone who's come for them to give them life. If that's you, I just wanna invite you. God has come for you. He's died for you. He offers you a new life, a new uniform, and you can put that on today. It's through faith in Jesus. And if that's you today, please come talk to me, talk to Pastor Mike, talk to somebody. We wanna, we wanna help you with that. You don't have to raise your hand or anything like that. But the invitation is for you. Believe in Jesus and find life. Lord, we pray for them. God, would you save? So God, we commit the rest of this Sunday to you. We commit our weeks to you. Would we be faithful examples for you in this world? You deserve it, God. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.